0: Welcome to Godsplaining. Contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Hello, and welcome back to Godsplaining. I should say, welcome to Guestsplaining, because here we are with an extra special guest. This is the one, the only, Mike Gormley, also known as Gomer. It is a pleasure to have you on our show, Gomer. Please, say a word of welcome.
1: Oh, it is good to be here. Thank you all for inviting me on here. Father Gregory, I do want to remind you that I invited you to do a parish mission at my church and you stood me up. No hard feelings, (laughs) but I selflessly come on your show. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine.
0: That's right. They say of friendships that they are non-reciprocal and benevolence has only to be one-sided. So I am happy to have this friendship with you. Who says that? Who
1: says that? No one does. I just made that up. That was for convenience (laughs) sake.
0: Uh, we're not alone here on this call. Those who watch on YouTube can verify that that is the case. Those who listen will not have known until this moment. We're also here with Father Jacob Bertrand. Father Jacob Bertrand, how are things? <laughs> I'm I'm doing great.
2: I was worried that you were going to forget to introduce me again, but but you did it. So we're making steps, strides. We're we're learning from our mistakes. It's great. So Pride I can I can rest assured. Yeah, no, it's great. So yeah, good to be here. Yeah. Thanks for being with us, Gummer.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. So um, usually we talk about mindless nonsense for the first five minutes of the episode because such is the manner of conversation. But we are here about the serious business of not wasting someone else's time. Uh, so <laughs> we we value your time and uh, we thank you for sharing it with us. So to set up the topic for today's conversation, uh, we want to talk a little bit about masculinity and maybe people have all kinds of associations with it. So certainly people talk about masculinity; they might think it to be Toxic in some settings, they might think it to be um, i don 't know febrile is the word that I came up with, but i don 't know that anyone else says that word except for me uh, maybe no, no, wimpy no in other settings yeah it's just it 's just me okay so so we have a sense that that men should be men, but that they shouldn 't be brutes, uh, nor should they be not men um, so we have We have a sense of what we want, but then the question is how do you how do you make good men so from your vantage, you know you yeah. preach parish missions you 're a lay evangelist, you have a Um, media apostolate with catching foxes and with every knee shall bow. So you're thinking about forming disciples and you're also a father. So you're forming little men, well, boys to be men. Um, So maybe just to kind of get things going, what are your thoughts about uh, kind of like men, masculinity in general? Do you have a working model in your mind? What are some things you're looking to form? What are some things you're looking to tease out?
1: Yeah, I think for our culture right now, we're in kind of a weird moment where, um, you know Pope John Paul, uh, John Paul II, and Chris Day's Leachie brought out this notion of participation and how we're seeing, for the first time in world history, groups that were excluded now participating in the public life of their countries, their people, their nations, whatever. And of course, he was speaking also in terms of the communist, um, you know, totalitarian regimes that were occupying. But he brings up this whole point about female participation in society, you know, to unheard of levels after, during, and after World War II. And it's amazing because as women, uh, especially through birth control, have been able to modify their lives in such a dramatic way, um, it's modified society in a dramatic way in ways that we never knew or could think about or anticipate, Um, you know, from things like, uh, if a man was that person in which who leaves the home in order to make a living for the home, and a woman was that person who raises the kids, what happens when those, when both of them are out working, what happens when, you know, the woman makes more than the man. And so the man stays home, you end up, um, the, the mutability or the, um, yeah, the mutable nature of these roles gets so dynamically switched when you throw birth control into it, like our society has been doing since the sixties. It really does. I don't think we fully appreciated the radical way it altered the human landscape and social landscape. So, For men, men have always been in a weird place. I know that might sound weird, but, um, you know, right now men are targeted with patriarchy and all this stuff, uh, with the domination over women, you know, obviously physical strength and violence has been a part of our, of our society since, since the fall. But, um, Men have never been tied to their roles as women have been because of Mother Nature. We call it Mother Nature because women are initiated into womanhood naturally. Men have always had, every culture except ours has always had initiation rites and rituals and procedures to say, now you're a man. And we haven't had that for the last 100, 150 years for most Western modern societies. You know, Cardinal Sarab was talking about, You know, in his tribe in Africa, they march you into the the men, kidnap the boys, take them into the middle of the forest and circumcise them. And if they scream or cry, they're out of the tribe. Right. So could you imagine being a 12 or 13 year old boy and all of a sudden like and then when you return, you're a man. You don't hang out with the women anymore. You hang out with the men until you're ready to you know, make babies and such and so forth. But, um, so for me as a man to navigate all these different waters, right? Like you realize that the increase in female, um, participation in the culture is a net benefit, great thing, but it destabilizes these roles that we've had for literally, thousands of years. And I don't mean the woman's just barefoot and pregnant at home. What I mean is there was an an understanding of the dichotomy of what it takes to build a household. And that that understanding is completely gone. So you have the rise of toxic masculinity, which is not masculinity as such. Um, you know, the idea of um, reducing my role as a man to just, uh, you know, and, and I see this all the time with the young adults, especially college students, where they have no appreciation for relationships just racking up sexual encounters and um you see this young I would actually say that's more like post college um because you have these people they just settle into grooves i don't know if what it's like in the ops but when i hang out with my fellow uh, uh bros right we're a bunch of morons and that's kind of what i need to be cuz i have to be a fancy sophisticated man uh, at work, and all these things, but the problem is when that's your only culture, right? when uh, these men are not choosing to grow up beyond that, um it can have a very toxic effect. And so what I find is you have these guys who consume porn at an unheard of level. Um, you have other men who are doing that and then um, pursuing relationships with women in an unhealthy manner, and it just kind of compounds the efforts of trying to form an authentic christian masculinity and so again i look at jp too i mean he was he was a um an adventurer right he was an outdoorsman he um was also an actor and a and a towering intellect a deep man of spiritual life and prayer um and so i look to him more often than not in and what it means to be a man and what it means to reflect that and reverberate that right out to the world so it's super confusing uh, and you can't sugarcoat it like everyone wants the typical answer like oh be a man you gotta be strong you gotta you gotta punch a tree in half right (laughs) and i am i am very little of those things i used to always joke every time franciscan (laughs) university made me uh give a men's session at the youth conference i'm like crap can't we get one of the guys from the band like i don't know what it means (laughs) (laughs) and we always joke that the men's sessions have evolved when i when i went to the youth conferences in the 90s uh it was uh, like the ooh rah, braveheart brave heart, you know raw. We're men, yeah. And then in the early two thousands, it was the it's okay to hug a brother, like sensitive guy talk. I don't know, if Father Gregory, if you experienced that. And then it was uh, for the love of God, Ugh. stop looking at porn. And that's pretty much all it is now uh, for the men sessions. And so, um and I find it. I mean, like the guys who don't look at porn are such an anomaly right now. So. Um, the pornification of masculinity leads to uh, hypersexuality and an inability to relate to women in a real level. So that's what I, that's where I come in with my uh, bed head right here. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Learn, That's awesome. Yeah, check it out on here. YouTube.
2: There you go. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. Okay. <laughs>
1: so through through what
2: you just described, there are, there are a number of I mean, pornography, of course, relationship kind of things. If you were to sort of um, you know before kind of diving into thinking about solutions, identifying the problem is always a good thing. Otherwise, you're proposing solutions for things that nobody cares about. But if you're you know looking at looking at the horizon and pro- maybe in a broad social context or even more specifically the within a christian catholic context if you had to sort of identify um some problem areas where where because of either the social changes or like the influence of pornography where men where men suffer um Mm -hmm. in, in these kind of ways where they're kind of anemic in their sort of the masculine virtues i guess what would you kind of uh describe there
1: um Yeah. I think with the widespread confusion over masculine roles and the lack of initiation into adulthood, you have 40 year old preteens basically. Right. Mm. And you're dealing with these, with these men in adult bodies with adult careers, who, when it comes to relationships in a very real way are childish, uh, maybe not forties, maybe, maybe twenties and thirties, but, um, the the onslaught of uh social media and and i know that it gets such like bugaboo you know lip service everyone always criticizes that stuff but when you put an always-on distraction machine that's high definition and broadband in everyone's pocket and then you tell them be mature but you're giving it to a sixth grader or in my daughter's case uh in her preschool a six-year-old you're giving a six-year-old a brand new iphone um like how how do you handle that when you're a little kid? I'll tell you how they handle it. They put their face to their phone all the time. Parents ask me all the time, what's one thing I can do for my high school students? And now I'm doing youth ministry on top of adult faith formation. And um, I tell them all the time, do not buy them a phone until they're sixteen years old. And if they need a phone for text messages or a, a, you know whatever, then get them a dumb phone. Do not give them access to this stuff. It's it's impairing their ability to relate to humanity in right in front of them, right? And uh, so then you look at pornography. What, what does pornography do? The way I describe it is it lets you feel like a man without demanding anything of you, right? So if, if I had to pick one or the other, I would probably get rid of pornography if I could, you know, snap my fingers and make it disappear. <laughs> because it's always a mortal sin, right? Or it's always gravely sinful and disordered. But, and, and I think you would have a night and day turnaround with pornography. Um, but as it turns for men to be, for boys to become just adults and, and girls to become adult women, I think social media is impairing that so much. I think it's crippling our moral sense. And so when I work with people, that's the first thing I say is, um, I do a lot of discipleship, right? So working one-on-one, working in small groups of people. And first and foremost is, If we don't have an aim in society for men, then and we don't posit anything for them, then there's nothing for them to strive for, right? And life becomes just one dang thing after another, right? And it ceases to be purposeful, meaningful, and because it's aimless. And so, what I try to do is give them an aim. And this is where, um, you know, the Catechism and the and you know the Thomistic conception of the virtues is so absolutely paramount. And they are not getting this. Right? Have you ever read the section on chastity in the Catechism? Um, I mean, you probably haven't because you don't need to. But people—I'm just kidding. But (laughs) right. But that is one of my favorite places to teach people about the moral life in general, because it talks about like the laws of progress and um, the you know the the reality of failure. And I think so often we picture the moral life as like you're on a mountaintop now don't fall off. When in fact it's like no you're at the bottom of the mountain you have. Ordered and disordered desires feelings urges inclinations whatever uh, phrase you want and you need to harness them through training and um, I think if there's one word I could use to summarize what could help masculinity the most it would be train right that that notion of training I saw a woman um, with a t-shirt in a gym parking lot I wasn't going to the gym I was going to the donut shop next door but <laughs> she can. <laughs> She came out and she said and her shirt said don't exercise and then in big letters it said train and i thought like oh that is actually really profound that is really profound because it's like you have a stated purpose i want to go to couch to 5k or i run want to run a marathon or i want to deadlift x amount of weight you have to adopt a rule right and the more i'm doing exodus 90 right now and the more i live as a layman under a rule, the more I realize the um the disciplines that come. The disciplines, the word discipline, right, means to teach. It doesn't mean to punish yourself because pleasure is evil, right? It means to teach. And you're you're teaching your passions, your desires, your emotions, your inclinations. You're teaching them and you're learning more about yourself and and where you fail. So doing Exodus 90, I realized, you know, one of the things is um, I might give up TV, but I fall into other indulgences because I don't want to be a dad because being a dad is exhausting. And so along that, don't just exercise train. My advice to people is, uh, don't just say, I need to spend more time with my kids, do a project, right? It it has that same motif, um, of like, you got to focus on a thing with a clear goal so that they see with you how they are making progress with you. And I think that's so huge. I really do.
2: Yeah, God bless you for Exodus ninety. I I did Exodus ninety the last year. I can't remember two years uh, Those cold showers,
1: holy cow! Mm-mm, not gonna. Can I tell you the cold showers are my favorite part? You're a sick, man. I am. They have <laughs> it has, and we just got this crazy two winter storms here in Houston. And so yeah. the guys were all texting. We're like, should we roll back the cold showers? And I'm like. No, I stand in the shower. I don't do the harm. Stand in, crank it onto cold, full power. See mm. the face of God, my friend. See the wealth well, yeah.
2: You're singing them. I'm not, because the cold showers, they they got the best of me. I tell you what, I was showering like once every two weeks because of that.
0: Mm, <laughs> That's delicious. not true, but kind of too um, close to the try. truth. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh let's stick with this idea of training. So it reminds yeah. me um uh, I can't remember who it was or in what context, but someone asked my mom if my dad, you know, predeceased her, if she would consider remarrying. And she said no, because it's taken too long to train him. Um, so <laughs> there's this sense that in relationships, be they, you know, married relationships or friendships, that you're kind of training the other person and you're not like making mm-hmm. them a project. You're not saying like, I know what's good for you and I will bring it about as a result of very intentional and deliberate steps, which are kind of creepy and manipulative. Um, But in like a friendship, you're trying to coax the good out of the other person. Not Mm -hmm. because, you know, again, you don't like them until such time as they're better, but because you love them as a result of which, you know, this relationship bears good fruit in their life. So I suspect, you know, people listening, some may be married and some may have kids, but I think a lot are probably just involved in ordinary workaday friendships with men who probably disappoint them. Uh, disappoint them because they are afraid to be committed. Disappoint them because they ghost them when it is convenient, you know, uh, when they find communication too demanding or burdensome. Disappointing because they are reticent to actually share on a deep level and choose instead to hold them off at arm's length. You know, disappointing in all the ways in which modern modern man is typically disappointing. So how do you encourage these people who want to coax the good out of the other, uh, but want to do so in an organic way that will actually produce good fruit because It's, you know, like animated by love. What do you say to these people?
1: The best thing you can do is to, uh, so everyone wants to do in in the Christian churches um, that I see, Catholic and Protestant and whatever, is they want to create small groups, right? And I'm a big fan of small group ministry. I created one. I see there's a lot of power in it, but I constantly see that men don't take to small groups very well. One guy said, I feel like I'm sitting in a knitting circle. And the reality is men don't use words as often as someone like me, right? Because I talk all the time nonstop. I'm like a shark. If I stop speaking, I just die, right? And if a shark stops swimming, it just dies. So the idea is... For most men, articulating their feelings and sharing their heart and all this stuff, that just sounds like, dear Lord, no thank you. Um, but so much about the faith is built around that at the parish level, like, hey, we're going to come and we're going to have a men's meeting. We're going to do this. And we're going to share. There's teaching, there's discussion, and then there's like that personal sharing that sometimes I feel like it's emphasized too much. And so my remedy is to do things, right? So along the training stuff is to do things together together to not make it about, because I don't know about you, but for a lot of guys, their high school life consisted of sitting in a room, chugging beer or trying not to be awkward. Right. And, you know, sitting in a dorm room or going to a party, but what are you doing? You're talking with people, but you're drinking as that social lubricant and you're trying not to replicate that in the churches. But that's often what people do. It's like, go sit in a small group, drink your punch, nothing in it, you know? And so I find that men and women, both, (laughs) Need to, to do something rather than just talk about it, and when you're talking about uh, training someone, I think that is hilarious what your mom said because it is so true, and what I think of it is the the subtle negotiation of other person's habits and hates, right like my wife hates dishes in the sink, uh, so it has to become my habit to make sure that doesn 't stay that way for a long time right and there are things that you both that if you care about the other you 're attentive as much as possible to their, their mode of being in the world, right? And, and their likes and dislikes. And so part of it is grafting yourself to them and they to you. And I think that's important. That, that is how we function in society. I have to be able to know your behaviors as somewhat predictable in order to be in the same room with you, right? I loved how, um, who was it? it was some presenter was on a stage and he said, just imagine, he's like, all of you are just sitting down staring at me. Imagine if one of you turned in your seat and just started staring at the person behind you, how would you feel? And he's like, you don't even notice like these social conventions that we adopt immediately. But um, yeah, training one another in friendship, I think is absolutely important. What was that line from CS Lewis when one of their friends in the Inklings died? And he said, I'm not just going to miss so-and-so I'm going to miss that aspect of Jared Tolkien that only so-and-so could bring out, you know? And I think that's really, I think that's really important Um, connecting over things with groups and not just individuals, I think is, is a key into reaching the, the masculine
0: heart. Boom. All right. In the middle or somewhere around the middle of each episode, we artificially take a break uh, like we're a television show. So mm-hmm. we're going to do that right now. You are listening to God's Planning. Visit us at godsplaining.org to listen to our episodes, shop our store, and donate to our podcast. All gifts go to improving the podcast and bringing the gospel to more listeners. Thanks for your support. Thanks, everyone, for sticking with us on this here episode of Godsplaining. More specifically, guest splaining. We're joined here. By Gomer, Mike Gormley, who is known for his exploits with Lay Evangelist, Every Knee Shall Bow, Catching Foxes, one of the first podcasts. I guess maybe to kind of speak to that. All right. So you got involved in podcasting like back in, you know, the days when dinosaurs roamed the internet earth. Yeah. You know, it's like you yeah. and Catholic stuff you should know, and then a barren wasteland of non-media-based Catholic ministry. Yeah. Um in your experience of that, you've met a lot of people and you've formed a lot of relationships. What would you say, like, what is the place? So we're talking about forming, man. What are the place of podcasts, internet apostles, things of that sort um, in forming these types of virtues or forming these types of relationships that we've described?
1: Um, you know, I'm a professional speaker. That's one of the things I do on top of working at a parish. And I tell people all the time when I'm at a conference or an event or a parish mission, I say, talking with me or coming to a talk is not your. Is not going to bring transformation in your life. I'm just, hopefully, at best, I'm a catalyst. I can't walk with you. Um, so the idea of the new media and the role of the new media and you know, things, especially like podcasts and audiobooks and whatnot, the reason why they're so powerful today is because, and and I got to be honest with y'all, our the complete failure of communicating the Catholic faith at the parish level. I mean, I tell people all the time. I I'm no longer shocked at how little people know about being Catholic. I mean, look, like it's it's shocking. Like, eighty uh, percent of a group of high school students had never heard of Cain and Abel, had never heard of the Ten Commandments, had never heard of Moses, right? And so I come from this place where I did the Bible timeline with Jeff Cavins when I was 14 years old with my dad. And I'm dealing with stuff like, you know, people who have never heard of Cain and Abel. And these sound like silly children's stories when you read them for the first time. So podcasts fill in the gap in a very real way to the complete deformity of the Catholic heart in the culture. I mean, and and thank God for them, but they're not enough. And they can feel like enough, but they're not enough interpersonal relationships are what we ultimately need, but they, they are ex. It's like a visiting preacher, right? Like, Hey, I'm going to go down father. So, so So's doing a three-week mission. I'm going to go and listen every night to to the talk. Well, that's good. But yeah, he might hear your confession too, but at the end of the day, he's not going to be there in six months when your marriage is upside down and you've gone back to drinking, right? Like you need someone who journeys with you. Accompaniment. Uh, you need someone there with you, and if you don't have them with you, you're not capable of living the Christian life in a in a in a very real way. It becomes almost impossible um, to even keep the commandments, right? When you don't have someone with you in, you know, in the journey, right?
2: So, I guess my when you say, well, I agree with all all of what you said. Um, oh, yeah. and I think that's important. You know, Dominican life has some community life to it. We, I think, we gripe about it more than we. Do anything else, but it's still part of our life. So I'm with you. So what would you say, you know, somebody who tunes into the podcast, ours, yours, or here's a Paris mission goes to like a big conference, something like that, you know, guys who are looking for what you're describing, um, but but, what would you what what advice would you offer as far as beginning to build that because I think sometimes yeah. with this the hardest thing is not is not keeping things going but you know finding that community or being the one to build that community or that friendship or something i yeah. I think and because of what you said because of the whole social media thing, we lack those skills I think that were more natural in in decades and generations past so what what do you kind of you know for those listening, what would you say? here are a couple of things that might be useful, helpful to try to kick off what you're describing.
1: Yeah, I I heard of this men's group. It it wasn't religious, but the first thing, you couldn't join the men's group until you've gotten the phone number or until you've approached 50 separate women and asked for their phone number, right? So the idea was to be exposed to the horrible difficulty of being rejected because you're probably going to be rejected by 48 of them right and especially if you look like me like whoa cave troll um i did have a bit part in lord of the rings i got shot in the mouth with an arrow um but the uh but the the experience of it is um of i don't know any other way to say it than this you have to if you don't have community get all the podcasts do all the listening watch all the fun you know watch braveheart on repeat but um at the end of the day, you need flesh and blood community. And if you don't have it, you need to start it. You have to be the one who ventures into the unknown and sacrifices all the uncomfortableness to take those first steps. I would recommend you go to the parish priest first, right? That's an excellent place to start. If you're in an area where maybe, I mean, I get people that say like, yeah, but I'm in a rural place and all this stuff. You're going to have your challenges, but you need community. You need it. You need community. Like you need water, right? What, what does it matter what did Aristotle say? If you have all the riches and power of the, uh, you know, but you don't have friends, like if you don't have a single friend in which to share that with, like, what does it matter? And so you need, you need community. So whether that is starting something like I, I have friends who moved from college into our area and they had no one. Right. And I'm an old married man. They don't want to party with me, even though I'll definitely party with them. I mean, I, I, I love it. Right. <laughs> I'm an extrovert. Where's the party. But, um, they so they joined like rugby teams you know and they just they don't know the guys anything and i think there is a distinction between um and i heard this on a podcast called the order of man where this guy said there's a difference between being good at being a man versus being a good man and i think we want to you know it's like sometimes i think we over spiritualize certain problems and we miss the very human all too human component of like i got to have good social skills i got to work on that and I gotta learn how to look people in the eye, communicate with them clearly, invite them to events, make those events fun. Like you, you just have to do that. There's no, there's no thing. A podcast, like a po- I mean, I want I love people. That's why I talk all the time to them. But I my podcast can't hug you. <laughs> my my podcast cannot get a beer with you. So uh you you need to have that in 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 whatever way you can, especially post-COVID. Like we desperately need it
0: yeah i um as i'm thinking about this when i so i listen to podcasts mostly when i go hiking i live in switzerland and i have opportunity to hike with some frequency let do podcast on on a phone and oh, then just go up for x number of hours You're like and i get come to hear down. this
1: amazing world-class talk <laughs> recorded from the kitchen
0: <laughs> hey things are improving kind of i learned i listened on. to one the other day where well, there's a little rough but but they've they've gotten better please god yeah, yeah. um or thanks be to god um So sometimes, you know, it's cold in the mountains, blah, blah, blah. iPhone batteries are built to break and I'll like pull my phone out to check something and it'll just go dead. And I'll be like, that's all right. I brought a backup phone because my life is fueled by anxiety. And then that one goes out and it's like, okay, what are we going to do here? Right? So it's an experience of solitude, right? It's Mm -hmm. the kind of, um, I guess the negative impress or the relief of what you describe with community, so a podcast can 't hug you, a podcast can't love you. Um, a podcast is an opportunity to grow in some you know habit or skill to think well or perhaps love better, but ultimately it's about relationships, and I think that um that focuses for me my need for a relationship with the Lord, because if i 'm uncomfortably being quiet, you know if i 'm un- uncomfortable just being with the Lord, that reveals a kind of baseline discomfort in my own humanity, um so maybe just. As a, as a kind of way to wrap up or final thoughts, maybe just to think a little bit about like, what is man before God, right? So mm-hmm. all of this talk about engaging, all of this talk about forming community, meaningful relationships, growing in the requisite virtues to be of service, to be generous, to be good, right? But like, what does that look like in terms of a relationship with the Lord? Because I think a lot of the things that you described, which make it difficult for a man to talk about his life uh, with other people also makes it difficult for him to have A prayer life to have a contemplative life and you might find it to be like I don't know a little bit feminine so what does that look like
1: yeah it is so stupid when people think of the spiritual life as something feminine but I do love how you had you were compelled as a contemplative to turn the conversation to how can I be alone uh whatever (laughs) um no I'm just kidding (laughs) you know how I, I get alone time as a married man I go into the bathroom and I lock the door and I turn on all the air vents so my kids, I, I just don't even hear them when they are screaming in terror and you know, and they can't get to me because there's an exterior door that's also locked and then and I, I just, just read my Alistair McIntyre uh, um, there's this
2: little video from the, I don't even, I saw it, I think someone sent it to me it's, it's a parent trying to do this you know, going into the bathroom and then they have their phone and they're videotaping this and under the door come these five
1: little fingers and they're just like, the you time. know like, are you in there? see that's why you gotta <laughs> like, lock incredible. your bedroom door the master bathroom door and then i have a little a toilet room door yeah so i got i got three layers they still find their way through they still do oh, man. um but no so when it comes to <laughs> contemplation if you follow uh the teachings of the master right like if you're walking in the way of the lord jesus the main thing you're gonna see is every single time the crowds pressed in on him he afterwards goes off into a lonely place right he goes alone Uh, and that line from St. Francis what a man is before God that he is and nothing else Um, you need solitude you absolutely need solitude Uh, Pope John Paul II in his theology of the body right when he talks about why was Adam created first and he talks about this notion of original solitude to walk with God alone every man and woman needs to walk with God alone as the foundational core of who they are from that foundation comes uh, so I always call it the first relationship your first relationship is with God and Christ alone, right? That needs to be nurtured and nourished overwhelmingly. And then from that spring, from that, um, you know, life-giving water, then it pours over into your relationships with others, especially if you have a vocation of matrimony or whatnot, your children. Um, But the, the art of contemplation is being devastated by Easy access to perpetual distraction. I mean, think about it. When you have Netflix, it automatically serves up the next show, so you have to intervene to not keep watching TV, right? Like that's the new thing. And Facebook automatically starts playing it. That's why there's all this push for closed captioning. Uh, you know, it's not because they care about the deaf; it's because they want to see you look at the words on the screen moving to draw your eyes, and you'll start reading. And be like, oh yeah, I want to watch this video. And it counts as a play. And so there's, you, you have to, you, going hiking is one of the most important things you can do. And it really is. Um, I, I'm writing, a, I'm doing a retreat for my parish staff. And one of the things is you have to care about your personal, your mental, your emotional, and your spiritual health. And part of that is man being alone with nature, right? Just being, just going outside is enough nature for most people. There's a reason why your stress levels decrease and why you do feel a greater connection to the universe because you're a creature, right? You are made in this, in, you were made, uh, what, what was the phrase, right? God formed man from the dust, from the wilderness, and then plopped him into the garden. Like we need a little bit of wilderness from time to time to feel uh, and to be reminded of our creatureliness. And if you don't know how to pray using mental prayer, uh, you know, that's the next step. Read that part on the catechism, a uh, read meditative prayer. Don't read contemplative prayer because that just confuses everyone. <laughs> I was walking, my Exodus 90 group of guys are like, Why is con- it's it's like looking at stuff constantly? Like, I don't understand. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> Father Jean Corbon, he is wonderful. Um, but the 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 part on mental prayer, meditation, right? Like helping people just read the life of Christ, um, a, a continua over and over again of the gospels. Um is a masterclass on how to be alone, how to walk with God. Noah, right? The whole world is is walking in a in a noisy crowd to destruction. Yet Noah walked alone with God, and thus he was righteous and blameless in his generation. If you can't walk alone with God, then um, you really ought not to be walking with others, right? So it's 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 integral to what it means to be a man.
0: Yeah, I think often of um, I think something that Mother Teresa's. Biological mother told her when she left to join the sisters of Loretto, something to the effect of like, put your hand in his and follow him alone. And I think that, um, yeah, to end with, to end with that, you know, kind of as a reflection on dis- the discipline of masculinity, it means, you know, to put your hand in his who lived masculinity in perfect fashion, right. Who, who filled masculinity with the grace of the most high God, you know, who, who bore up our masculinity as it were, you know, into, uh, into the heights of heaven. So yeah, it's, that's a really beautiful meditation. So thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for everything. That's awesome. These are uh, things that I will continue to think about and meditate on. I uh, can't speak for father Jacob Bertrand. He's probably got a few episodes of uh, the ne- the latest Netflix show to watch. So I'm uh, just watching it <laughs> on
2: my computer right now while you guys are talking. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Distracted got jokes. from distraction got jokes. by distraction. I get it. I get yep. it. Bingo. A little T.S. Elliot. Um, mm. uh, Gomer, please tell people how they can, uh, Kind of find more things that you're involved with on the internet and elsewhere.
1: Uh, that's a hard one. Um, layevangelist.com. I <laughs> never update it. It's a website seen by dozens. Uh, I do a weekly <laughs> podcast show called Catching Foxes. You can find that at catchingfoxes.fm and any service, you know, Spotify, iTunes, all that stuff. Uh, Every Knee Shall Bow is for those who want to learn. It's a weekly show on how to evangelize so um if you want to do that as a roman catholic we can hook you up and uh other than that i am not on social media so don't bother don't bother (laughs) burned all my accounts
0: There it is. Okay. Burn your accounts, but don't burn your bridges. Um, Yeah. So from our end, let's see. Anything else? Father Jacob Burson's like, that's not a good tagline. You can't end an episode with that. All right. So I won't. Um, Please do, let's see, like and share the podcast. Share it with folks whom you think would benefit from it. Uh, You could subtly send it to men whom you think need to grow up or whom you think are grown up, you know, and you could tell them that either option may apply. So that way they don't know what you're doing. Uh, Please do like and share the podcast with your friends. Um, And let's see, check things out on youtube and then patreon as a way by which to support especially during the season of lent season of almsgiving um so that we can <laughs> pay someone to edit uh, our things and make the video quality better than it once was uh father Yay. jacob bertrand what am i forgetting
2: check out our new merchandise
0: that's i think the last
2: thing uh right that's it you can get it from our from our website you can get some pretty cool stickers hopefully they've been fixed we thomas aquinas's face and one of them It's kind of looked like you look like 2 Face because they cut out part of his face so we're working on that but uh check it out it's pretty cool
1: oh that's awesome nice. he we actually looks sure like you hit like that sorcery. subscribe button and give us a like and make sure you hit that bell to be updated <laughs> Yo, youtube you gotta be you a cool
0: youtuber guys he knows what's up <laughs> yeah Yo, you got to oh absolutely um, for our next YouTube channel. Never mind. I had to stop. I'm going to rein it in. All right. So thanks so much for listening to this episode of God's Planning. Thanks so much, Gomer, for joining us. And we will catch you next time. Cheers. Adios. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a review on your podcast app and visit us at godsplaining.org.